Welcome to The Gathering Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. As we come here on Christmas Eve, to retell, to look back at the account of the Savior of the world being born in a way that none of us ever could have expected. In a way that if we were to be the ones who wrote the story, we never would have written it the way that it unfolded, would we? In a way that there was a young woman and a young man who, when they were sleeping, the angels came to speak to them and to tell them that they would be the ones that would bring the Savior of the world into the world in the flesh. You see, when we read this story that we, uh, we know so well, it can become so easy at times to overlook some of the details. To forget that these were uh, individuals, human beings just like us, that were called to do something incredible. That were called to do something that, that no one else in human history had ever been asked to do. You see, for us in our lives, there are times where when we are pursuing God, when we are following after Him, that things don't always go the way that we would expect. Is that true today? There are times in our lives where we're pursuing God and believing that things are going to look a certain way, and yet they don't. And sometimes it drives us a little bit crazy. Sometimes as human beings, when we look and see God moving, we wonder why He didn't bring us into the conversation. Why He didn't ask for our advice. Why He didn't consult us on our feelings before He decided to save our lives. But as we read this story, the Christmas story, what we see here is an interaction between a man and a woman who are called to carry the Savior of the world, to bring him into our world, and to be able to be part of the the story of Advent. This morning, we're going to read through the accounts in the book of Luke and in the book of Matthew. And I want to ask that as we do this today, that you would take the time to put yourself in their place. That you would look at this from the perspective of a young man and a young woman who don't really know what tomorrow is going to hold, but are trusting God each step of the way. Today we're going to look starting in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived the son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. 
and the angel left her. This is the account of Mary interacting with the angel, but let's not lose sight of the fact that Joseph also had an encounter. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, it says that Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. And when he had found out that she had become pregnant, he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is such a beautiful story. It's one that we truly do know so well, and and we talk about each Christmas season. But I want to tell you today that it's more than just a story. That this is an account of how the Savior of the world left heaven, left perfection, to come here and to be with us in this mess that we call life. That the king of the universe left perfection to come here and to be with us. You see, when the angel appears to Mary, when the angel appears to Joseph, these are not just regular interactions that are taking place. These are not moments that have ever happened before in human history. You see, this was a miracle above all miracles. Jesus would come. He would grow to perform many miracles on his own. He would open blind eyes. He would open deaf ears. He would raise the dead. And yet he did that much more frequently than this miracle that we just read about. Even the New York Mets have won the World Series twice, which is double the amount of times that this miracle took place. They called them like the amazing Mets, miraculous, you know, all that. You see, this was a miracle. This was something that had never before happened and it would never happen again. And when we look at this story and we look at the account of the angel coming to Mary, I just want to look at a few details here today because I don't want us to miss anything. First of all, Mary is a young woman and she encounters an angel which in and of itself is an incredible statement. An angel appears to her, but not just any angel. This was the angel Gabriel. Gabriel didn't make too many documented trips to earth. So you knew this was significant right off the bat. And he comes to her and he says that she is going to have a son. Now this is amazing. And and obviously when the angel appears to her, she is frightened. There is something about the presence of this angel that shakes her reality. And then he goes on to tell her that she is going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her and she is going to be, uh, she's going to conceive a son. And not only does she find out that she's going to conceive a son, because that's crazy enough as it is, but that this son was going to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Now I can only imagine what she would have been thinking in this moment, but then let's think about Joseph here for a moment, because at least the angel comes to Mary before she conceives. The angel doesn't come to Joseph until after she's already pregnant. You see, Joseph is doing the right thing. It says that he wants to separate from her quietly, because there's a very good chance that if he makes a public display of this, that she could be stoned for her perceived transgression. 
But he decides he's going to do it quietly. And then the angel comes and said, Joseph, I want you to know this. This was not from man. This was from God. You see, Joseph now, he, he gets the heads up. Okay, this is not something that, that, was, that was done by another man, but this was something that was divine in nature. The crazy thing about all of this, though, to me, is that when Mary hears these words and Joseph hears these words, they actually believe the angel that's speaking to them. Now, you might say, what, what kind of big deal is that? If I had a giant flaming angel standing in my bedroom, I would listen to what he had to say. But we have a couple of biblical stories where this wasn't the case. Just a little bit earlier, Zechariah had seen an angel that said that he would be a father, and Zechariah had no question, uh, no problem questioning the angel. We have Gideon in the Bible where the angel shows up and says, mighty man of valor, and Gideon's like, I don't know who you're talking to, but I'm going to have to put out a couple of tests, and if you can pass my tests, then maybe I'm going to believe you. But Mary hears these words, and what is her response at the end? I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. You see, this is a beautiful story about a man and a woman who walk in great faith. They believe what God has said. They they know that there is something special happening here and they respond to it. So you would imagine that this young man and young woman, after this incredible miracle of conceiving the Son of God, that they were going to have the best pregnancy and delivery possible, right? They were going to have a pregnancy that was going to put all the celebrities to shame, all the ones that have the big extravagant baby showers and all the new strollers and and maybe the ones that are like doing home births while they're getting a foot massage and they're drinking their Starbucks. I don't know if that's at all factual. All the women in the room are like, that's not how this works. But we would imagine that because this was the son of God, that everything was going to go really smoothly. Like, no way God wants Mary to strain herself at all. She's carrying his son, the king. This is going to be the best pregnancy. If she has a pregnancy craving, uh, they're just going to send Gabriel or Michael to Chick-fil-A, go get her a couple sandwiches, a milkshake, extra pickles, right? There's not going to be any problem. They're going to take care of her hand and foot. Well, as we continue to read the story, we see that this is not necessarily the case. Even though we're talking about Jesus the King and Mary, who was a virgin. Let's pick this up in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. It says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David... He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So much for this dream pregnancy. So much for the Chick-fil-A and all the amenities of bearing the Son of God. You see, they found themselves in a place where their only real crime was believing what God had said. 
being a righteous man, being a young woman who God had picked out and said, this is going to be the woman who is going to bring Jesus into the world. And now they find themselves in a situation that they could have never expected. They are now going to a place, having to travel 70 miles, and not on foot, necessarily by, by donkey and on foot, but not in any place of luxury. They didn't get to take an Uber. They didn't get to call a friend for a ride. They walked this journey while Mary was late into her third trimester. If that wasn't bad enough, they finally arrive, and Mary comes to the place where she has to give birth. And we know the story. We saw it as our young, our young men and women came up and did the story for us. There was no room in the inn. Can I ask you a question? If you were God, is this the way that you would have written the story? If you were the one who could have brought Jesus at any point in human history, would you brought him at, bring him at this moment? I would suggest that if any of us were in control of this story, we would have chose another time. We would have chose another way. But the thing that we have to realize about Jesus, about Mary and Joseph, and even looking at our own lives, is that when we follow God, things don't always go the way that we would expect them to go. That for Mary and Joseph, they were being obedient. They were following after God. And yet, his plan and his story was becoming theirs in a way they never could have imagined. But this was something that was foretold for hundreds of years. This would happen exactly the way that God wanted to. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. God knew exactly what he was doing. When Jesus came to this earth, he didn't come as just the Son of God. He came as 100% God, and 100% man. The Bible is very clear in Hebrews. It says that he was tested in every way. He endured all that we endured, and yet he was without sin. You might be going through a difficult time right now in your life. There may be some situations right now where you are questioning where God is. But as we look at this story, I want to encourage you here today that even though things don't always go the way that we would expect them to, that God is still present in the midst of our story. That he is still with us, that he never leaves us, and he never forsakes us. As we continue reading this story in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. 
This is a beautiful account if we put ourselves in the position of the shepherds being out in the fields and an angel appears and before we know it, the whole sky is filled with countless angels celebrating and rejoicing that the moment they had been waiting for, that Jesus, the Son of God, had been born into the earth and unto men. It was a beautiful thing, and I'm sure that in this moment, as Mary and Joseph were there with the baby Jesus lying in the manger, that they were thinking to themselves, wow, this isn't normal. This is pretty special. Maybe finally things were starting to go the way that they thought that they would, that, that people were coming to help them and to support them. But of course, as we continue to read this story, things get much worse. As we continue to read this story, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 7, uh, verses 7 through 23, we read this account, and I'll paraphrase here today, that Herod is on his throne, and, and there were these wise men that came. And they say, we have come to seek this newborn baby, this, this king of the Jews. And so Herod hears this, this account that they give, and he says, well, let me know when you find him, because I want to worship him too. I, I'm waiting for this king as well. And so they go out and they find the baby Jesus and and they lay down before him and and they worship him and they give him the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and and finally once again this is this is going well but it says that the moment that the wise men leave as Joseph is asleep he is warned by an angel of the Lord and the angel of the Lord said that he needed to get up and flee to Egypt with the mother of the child And the angel said, stay here until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Finally, Herod dies. And yet before they can return home, there is another dream where the angel warns them not to go home. Can you just picture with me here for a moment? Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus. Why wouldn't God just move the obstacles out of their way? Why wouldn't he just remove Herod from the way? Why wouldn't he just send the angels to come and to be a part of this story? It's because he was showing us that through the life of Jesus, through the life of Mary and Joseph, that although we are promised that when we walk in obedience to Jesus, that there will be blessings, there will be good things that come out of it, that there is in no place in Scripture a guarantee for our comfort. How is that for an uplifting Christmas Eve message? You see, the Bible is clear about this. It tells us in Isaiah 30, it tells us when we're looking at Deuteronomy 28, that the God, that the God of heaven wants to bless us. Hebrews 11, or Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, uh, sorry, eleven six, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God wants to reward us, but at no point does it guarantee our comfort. At no point does it guarantee that it's going to go the way that we would expect, the way that we would draw it up. You see, for each one of the men and women in this story, from the shepherds to the wise men, they were part of a much bigger narrative than they ever could have imagined. But today, I want to take a little bit of a closer look at a young man named Joseph and a young woman named Mary. I'm going to ask if I could have some volunteers come up with me here this morning. How about you two right over here? You guys look like you're dressed for the part. Come on up. Once again, as we read this story, I I want us to put ourselves in the position of Mary and Joseph. Because while none of us have had an angel appear to us 
and tell us that we were going to bring about the Savior of the world, there have been times where God has called us and things don't always go the way that we expect. Good job fixing your hair. Looks good. Mary, can you come right up here? You see, if we remember in the beginning of this story, Mary and Joseph, they have this, this encounter with the angel. And Joseph finds out in particular, well, that Mary is pregnant. And who would imagine that getting this news would be something that would be a pretty heavy thing to hold? Like, this is a responsibility already. We see that, that his soon-to-be wife is pregnant. Congratulations, Dad. She's carrying the baby, so you've got to carry something, all right? See, this would be a pretty heavy weight right off the bat. But then to find out that he wasn't the father. To find out that he wasn't the father, and not only was he not the father, but the baby that she would be carrying, well, he wasn't just any baby. That he was the king of the world. That the the young child that you are going to help raise is the Messiah. It's already pretty heavy, isn't it? Well, we know it starts to get a little bit worse because then we find out the news of the census. And we realize, oh no, I got to take a 70-mile journey on a donkey with my pregnant wife, shaking already. I'm sorry that it gets a little bit worse because then you get there and you realize there's no room. Yeah, Yeah, I know. She's going to carry this baby for nine months, okay? You got a couple of minutes. Well, then Herod comes along. Now we've got to, to flee. We've got to run away. And as is always a challenge with all of us, Maybe there's a little stress when it comes to, to the money. What are we going to do? You see, for many of us in life, there are times where we feel like we're carrying a very heavy weight. We're carrying a weight that is too big for us to hold on our own. And so Joseph doesn't collapse up here. We're going to just lighten the load a little bit. You see, there are times in my life where I have felt like the load that I am carrying is just too heavy. That if I make a false step, that it's all going to come crumbling down around me. That if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, that the weight is going to come crashing down and what's going to happen to the people around me. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but sometimes we are holding on to these weights because, well, it's, it's what's going on in our lives and we don't understand what we're supposed to do, so we just keep holding on. And we hold on as long as we can. And it's in these moments that we have to recognize that we have two options. We can hold on as long as possible. We can use all of our own strength, all of our own ability to hold on, to hold it all together. But what happens a lot of times is that in those moments... We start to not only hold the weight, but we actually start to draw our identity from what we're carrying. The things that we carry, the burden that we have, it starts to become a part of who we are. And pretty soon we identify more with our emotions and our feelings and our shortfalls. We identify more with our history, with our past, than we do with the future that God has called us to walk in. You see, what happens is when we get too uh, concerned and too aware of what we are holding, what we are meant to hold on to, what we lose sight of is not what we're holding. We lose sight of what we're carrying. 
You see, I'm going to say that again. When we get too focused on the things that we have to hold on to, we often lose sight of what we are carrying, which is the call and the purpose of God, which is Jesus living inside of us. The thing is, is that as much as we get distracted by the weight and by the circumstance of this life, we were never ever meant to carry these things alone. We were never meant to become our worst moments. We were never meant to identify with our biggest challenges. But the truth of the matter is this, is that when Jesus came to this world, and He came in an unexpected way, that when He was carried by His mother, that she was carrying the one who would carry the weight of the world. That the one that she would deliver would be the one that would deliver all of humanity from sin and brokenness and shame. You see, when we understand in our lives that, that there are things we're meant to carry to hold, but that we are not meant to carry them alone, what we can do is we can start to take these things and we can start to give them back to the Savior of the world. We can begin to take the weights and the heaviness of all the things that we've experienced and gone through, and we can realize that Jesus did not come to simply be a good man. He didn't come simply so that we could know that there was another option, but He came to bear the burden and the weight of all of humanity. And what I want to suggest today that for each one of us, as we are often carrying these things, that we would take this moment in time to say, Jesus, I recognize that you have called me. Jesus, you have not just called me, but you have equipped me. That if you have called me to walk into to a journey that I don't understand, that you are going to bring me and carry me through this journey. Mary and Joseph, thank you so much. You guys did an awesome job today. You see, none of us have been called to carry the weight of Mary and Joseph. But I would suggest today that there are many burdens that were brought into this room here this morning. There are many weights and there are many challenges that many of us are feeling and experiencing. That there are some in this room that have walked in with a weight and you've said, I don't know how much longer I can carry this. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to hold it all together. The incredible message this morning of Christmas is that the Savior of the world has come. That the miracle of Jesus was not just so that we could celebrate once a year, but it was so that we could understand that He went to the cross to bear our shame, our brokenness, and our burdens. And as we come before Him, as His children, this Christmas, that we can look beyond the weight of the past, the heaviness of the present, and we can understand that in Him there is a future that is greater than we could ever imagine.